Tonight is June 27th, 2018. And tonight's word is, Who are you? Who are you? I made a title slide because I'm a designer. And I get to do that when I'm speaking. It's the only time you'll see it. It's right now. Take a good look at it. Who are you? Or uh, if, if you saw a certain movie, Alice in Wonderland, who are you? Right? We have the picture? The picture. Remember this guy? So we're just going to ignore the fact that this guy's smoking a hookah. We don't know what's in it. And then he also encourages the little girl to eat magic mushrooms. Just going to ignore that. He asks Alice, who are you, over and over again, and she can't really answer the question. But I think for you, it's probably difficult to answer that question too. It's, it's very loaded. You don't know why the person is asking that. Who are you? It's difficult to answer. And oh, uh, can we put that picture back up? Um, just when I think of vape smokers, I think of this guy. Just throwing that out there. All right, anyway. Moving on. Who are you? You remember, uh, guys, or maybe, maybe ladies, you remember when you saw your spouse for the first time and they were walking across the way and you leaned over to your friend and you said, who's that? Who's that? And we all know the correct answer to that question, don't we? Why you want to know. <laughs> Why you asking? <laughs> There's so much in that question. It's, it's what's her name? Where does she come from? What's she like? Who are her friends? It may be, you know, is she single? Might be in there too. If you've ever been asked that question, it's, it's not easy to answer, but somebody in the Bible got asked this question. That's what we're going to turn to. John chapter 1. John the baptizer. John chapter 1, verse 19. All right. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he didn't answer the question, did he? Hey, who are you? Well, I'll tell you who I'm not. I'm not the Christ. For some of us, it can be easy when we're asked, who are you? We can take someone else's identity. We can say, well, yeah, I go to this church. That's who I am. But that's the church. That's not who you are. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's good. It's good that you're a Christian, but who are you? What's God called you to do? Verse 21. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. <laughs> and they start to get kind of frustrated with him. So they said, who are you? We need you to give an answer to us, to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? You know, only you can answer that question, who are you? Nobody else can answer it for you. You can't go find it in a book somewhere. It's not handed to you on a platter. Your pastors can't tell you who you are. 
You have to answer that question. Who are you? Verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He didn't really answer with something short or easy, did he? He didn't say, my name is John. I go to Second Baptist. My dad was a deacon. He's John the Baptist, get it? He didn't say that. He, he answered with his purpose. The only way you're going to be able to answer the question, who are you, is if you know your purpose. And if you're walking in your purpose, your purpose is who you are. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You ever notice that um, when somebody with a clear purpose that just knows exactly who they are in any moment, that other people want to know who they are? I, I thought a great example of this is when, when Eric gets, gets stopped at borders for some reason, like every time, right? Every time he comes back from a mission trip, we just expect that to be part of the story. And then I got stopped at this border, right? There were guards here. Because the guards, they see him and they see he knows who he is. I need to know who he is. Do people want to know who you are? Is your life worth looking at? Or is it just there? Do you have a clear purpose? Do you know what that purpose is? And are you walking in it? I thought about Daniel in India. Man, Daniel, we just, we just have a nice service. Everything's going great. And the, the only demon-possessed person walks straight up to Daniel multiple times, just over and over again. Just walk straight up to Daniel and want prayer and just, you know, whatever. Freaking out. Uh, let's turn to Acts 19. This is, this is an example of that happening, actually, of demons knowing who people are. Acts 19, verse 14. There when you're there. All right. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the, de- the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? You know, the demon actually took the time to find out who Jesus and Paul were because they were somebody. But he didn't know who they were. And you know what? He didn't really care who they were either because he didn't give them time to answer. Verse 16, and the man in whom the evil spirit, who, in whom was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Even demons want to know who someone is when they know their purpose. And my hope for you tonight is that when you, when you leave here, you have a better idea of your purpose, or at least how to find it, and that you're walking in it. It's not really trying to copy someone else's. It's not just looking at somebody else that's doing great and trying to just be like them. It's actually finding out specifically what God's called you to do. I had a chart um, that I wanted to walk you through. I I did a little study and I found some names in the Bible that actually mean what their purpose is. So here, actually, the way that they're identified isn't something random. It's exactly what God called them to do. So I just we're just going to go through those right quick. Uh, we're not going to turn to all the references. They're there for you. We can go to the next slide. So Noah, 
prophetically, his parents see that there's disorder in the world and that it needs rest and relief. And so they name their son Rest and Relief to bring rest and relief. Abraham, his name was Abram. And God said, I want you to be the father of nations. So it took a name change. It changed who he was. His purpose changed, so his name changed. Changed to Abraham. Joseph was named Zaphonath Paneha. He told his brothers that God had sent him to preserve life. And the Pharaoh saw that too when he renamed him. And he called, he called him the creator of life. Let's go to the next slide. Gideon, he was supposed to strike down the Midianites. So his name means destroyer. Samuel, this is a neat one. Samuel, Hannah, was so thankful that God heard her prayers that he, she named him God has heard, and His purpose was to hear from God. Jesus. His name means deliverance. And He, of course, He came to deliver us all. Because He can save the lost. Barnabas. Barnabas, they nicknamed Him that name. That wasn't His original name. They nicknamed Him that because He was an encourager. A son of encouragement. And we see that worked out when He builds up Paul. He brings him to the apostles. And we might not have most of our New Testament if it weren't for Barnabas walking out his call and his purpose. What would we lose if you didn't walk out your purpose? How would the church be hurt if you weren't walking out your purpose? I, I lose something if Nolan isn't walking out in his purpose. I lose something if Chris isn't walking out in his purpose. But when we all do it together, we're strong, aren't we? Your purpose defines you. And if you don't know what your purpose is, you won't be able to answer the question, who are you? Look, let's go, to, let's go check out Abraham. Abram and Isaac. Abram and A- Abraham. Abram. Yes. That one. <laughs> Genesis 12. Turn with me to Genesis 12. One of my concerns was that I might preach too fast and that I only have a 30 minute message. Only a 30 minute message, which at most churches is too long, right? <laughs> Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? That's an incredible purpose, isn't it? But there's one problem in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't have a direction. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a GPS. God didn't tell him where to go. He just said, go. I want you to go. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is tonight. That's okay. Just be obedient with what He's told you to do. Be faithful and walk it out. 
What's the last thing He told you to do? Step out in faith. You know every day is a series of first steps? Today is a new day. You can walk out and and begin to see your purpose as you start to walk. Let's go to verse 6. Abram passed through the land, the place at Shechem, to the oak at Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. To your offspring I will give this land. God showed him his destination after he got there. (laughs) He said, hey, I want you to go. I've got a big purpose for you. Big call. I want you to go. He's like, where? I'm not telling you. And he just has to go. He has to go out and do it. And he steps out in faith. And when he gets there, God shows him. What about in your life? Feel called to be a pastor, start a church. I don't know, whatever. What's God called you to do? What's God called you to do? And it's not here yet. And you don't know what it looks like yet. You know God's calling you to something. You don't know exactly what it looks like. And so many times we can get discouraged and we don't know where to go. And we let that eat up inside of us. Just be faithful of what He's given you. Walk it out. Walk out your purpose. What's your purpose for today? God showed him his destination after he got there. You have to dedicate yourselves to where God has placed you now. We can't only be looking out into the future. If we're so focused on what's going to come next, we miss what God has for us today. We miss the miracles that he has planned for us today. He miss, we miss the provision that he's going to provide for us to walk out where we are today. And we miss that when we're so focused on the future. We're so focused down the road. But God has a purpose for you. And if you can walk in it, if you can walk in it today, walk in what He showed you today, He can show you what's going to come tomorrow. You just have to be faithful to what's coming today. Look, let's go to James chapter 1. If you don't know what your purpose is, there's an easy answer. Ask. Verse verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. (laughs) Man, I can't tell you how many times this verse... Has just set me at peace. God, where do I go? God, what do I do next? How, how are we going to pay for this? I, I, don't, I don't know. Did you call me to this church? Did you call me? To, what, what do you want me to do? Ask. How many times do you just act and you don't ask? You just stepped out, but you didn't ask. I did that. I did that when I uh, bought my house in Louisiana, which, um, you know, my first house, learning experience. We said, God, you know, if, if this isn't your will, bad way to start a prayer. If this isn't your will, just don't let it happen. <laughs> Meaning, we're going to do this anyway. 
I didn't ask. I just, just did it. Then I had to deal with the repercussions. Now I got renters that, you know, steal credit cards and have to pay back money that, yeah, anyway. <laughs> We've got to ask. We've got to listen to what he's telling you. And then you've got to actually do it. Have you asked today? If you don't know your purpose, you've got to ask. You've got to ask with faith. You've got to step out in faith where God's calling you. Look, we've got mezuzah statements here, right? That's great. It's great that you have a mezuzah statement. You worked hard on it. You polished it up. You got all the words right, right? And then what did you do with it? Was it just a statement? It was something you wrote on your wall and then you forgot about it? It's great to have a mission. It's great to have a target that you're trying to hit. But it doesn't mean much if you don't actually do it. Maybe we need some mezuzah convictions. <laughs> I'm not saying we change the name. I'm saying you need to get convicted about what God has told you to do. Be sure of it and actually do it. You know, walking in your purpose doesn't just define who you are. It also affects other people. You get that right? Let's turn to uh, Numbers 32. Numbers 32. God calls Israel out of Egypt. He delivers them. They're they're not slaves anymore. They walk out. They see some giants and they're ready to go back. Verse 13. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel and He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. You know what happens? You don't walk in your purpose. You just wander. You wander. You wander in the wilderness. You can wander for 40 years. You can wander your whole life. How many people do we know that have wasted their lives just wandering? Single guys, let's, let's just use you as an example. You have to find out your purpose and where you're headed before you bring someone in. Right? Because otherwise, all you do is you invite someone on your journey to nowhere. And you guys just walk together and don't go anywhere and don't do anything and aren't worth much. And you just wander around in the desert because you didn't have a purpose. And then you get upset when your girlfriend's like, hey, like, uh, what are we doing? You know, we're going to get married soon. Like, what, what, what are your plans? Babe, come on. Why do we need to put labels on things? Just, that was me. <laughs> Personal experience. She broke up with me because she was smart. Just wander. It's like you're sitting in the driveway in your car with no key in the ignition and you just invite your girlfriend to come over and you guys just sit in the car together. And then, and then she leaves and she goes home. It's a pretty boring date. It's a pretty boring life. Wandering is boring. Hey, don't wander. Actually do what God's called you to do. Look, single folks, I can save you years of struggle and heartache just right off the top. It's just free advice from the doctor of love. Don't worry. 
don't worry where I got my diploma, because I don't have one. Ladies, you want to find a guy whose purpose that you see, that you admire, and you feel the Spirit drawing you to that purpose. Don't get drawn to some guy because he looks nice. Anybody can look nice. Only a few people have a real purpose. Guys, don't try to make a relationship work until you have a purpose first. Because you're just going to be wasting everybody's time. You're going to be wasting your time. You're going to be wasting her time. There's, there's actually a couple in the Bible that I, that I thought really represents this well. It's in Genesis 24. It's Isaac and, and Rebekah. And it's so funny. Isaac really isn't even in the story of Rebekah. 2455. When I was was single, I used to read this story over and over again, try and get some sort of truth about how to find a wife. So I was like, okay, so I go to the well, and the well, no, it didn't work. 2455. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. See, the servant is asking, hey, would you like to come marry my master? And they said, yeah, that, that'd be great. She can, she can marry him. Just, just let her stay here for a while. But he said to them, do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sisters, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. See, Rebecca saw a purpose. She saw that he was going somewhere, and she went with the servant. There was a purpose behind it. But check this out in verse, verse 60. I don't think I ever read it like this before. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Doesn't that sound a lot like Abraham's promise? Doesn't that sound a lot like Isaac's purpose? Here her family is blessing her to go carry out Isaac's purpose. And as husbands, as fathers, we're going to lead our home. We're going to lead it right. We're going to have a purpose. We're going to actually do something. We're going to actually go somewhere. We're going to know who we are. But it's easy to waste time. We've seen so many people that waste time. We've seen it in, you know, like an athlete. An athlete, he, he reaches to the pinnacle of success. Has so many trophies at home. But what is that worth? What's that worth? He got paid a paycheck. But in eternity, what does that mean? People had fun watching a game. The next year you forgot who won. But I'm not talking about athletes. I'm not talking about celebrities. What about you? Have you walked out your purpose? Or have you just kind of let life pass you by? Have you actually asked God, what do you want me to do? And then did it. But then consistently, over years, over and over again, where someone can look at you and say, hey, who are you? Who are you? And you actually have an answer. 
don't have a purpose, it's really easy just to look at someone else's purpose and try and take that on for ourselves, right? It's jealousy. It's jealousy when we see someone else and we get so upset because they're doing something that we wanted to do. And why can't we do that? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. Seventeen, verse twenty-eight. So you guys remember David, of course. You guys remember David. David gets anointed king, but before he got anointed king, all his brothers came up in front of Samuel, and Samuel said, "No, no, no," and he passes up all the brothers. And Eliab is the oldest brother. So seventeen twenty-eight. Now Eliab is eldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. David was going out and he was bringing food out to the men. His his father sent him to go bring food to the men, to, to his brothers. He was trying to help his brothers. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. David went to go help Eliab. And Eliab's angry with David. Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Let me ask you a question. Where was David? Where was David? David was exactly where his father sent him. He was exactly on purpose. Eliab sees that purpose, and immediately something ugly bubbles out inside of him. It's a weird way to respond to somebody just asking questions, right? You know he was right there when David got anointed king. You know he had to see that. You know he he was the first to get passed up. And then he got to see his little brother get anointed king. You don't think ever, maybe once, he thought that should have been me? And then every time he sees David do anything, he just that he's reminded of that, and that bitterness rises up inside him, and maybe he doesn't say anything, and maybe he just sits on it for a while, and maybe he pushes it down. But then eventually it comes out, right? And it comes out ugly. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have, have you become bitter at someone because they had something that you didn't? And you just let it rise up inside of you and bubble inside of you. And then one day you just freak out and nobody knows why. It's because you've let bitterness take root in your life. Have you ever done that? (laughs) And then he accuses David of being off mission and being off topic and, and not being where he's supposed to be. But really it's Eliab. It's Eliab that's off his purpose. Maybe Eliab's job was to encourage his brother. Maybe you, when you were bitter towards that person, maybe your job was to encourage them and not tear them down. feel that. Do you feel it? I feel God speaking to somebody about that. 
Man, has bitterness taken root in your heart? You've got to get it out. Get rid of it. Kill it. Because if you're so focused on someone else's mission, on someone else's purpose, you'll never find your own. You'll never find your own. Let's go to, look, I I know I didn't have this one. Let's go to Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Do you know what? When you're busy being jealous of someone else's call, you're really just being unfaithful to God because you don't actually believe He's going to fulfill your purpose. I used to get so jealous. I used to get so jealous. I was so mad and I felt so right in it. Why do they get to be on stage? Why do they get to speak? Why do they get to preach? I've been here just as long as them. I've, put, I've actually worked harder than them. They just know so-and-so. That's the only reason they're up there. I used to get so jealous, but you know what? Your purpose doesn't fit me. My purpose doesn't fit you. You have your call, your purpose, and you've got to walk in it. You've got to rise up. Run. Run to what God's called you to do. Run tonight. Put down jealousy. Put down the pride. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've heard this in quite a few sermons lately. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of where would where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We can't all be an eye. We can't all be on the swan team. As much as I love that the guys get to go there, I don't get to go there. I could be jealous of that, but I'd be wrong. God would have to deal with that and crush that in me. Man, there's so much that God's called you to do that I can't do. And I need you to do it so we can be a body. You ever notice when somebody leaves the church that should have been here, it feels like an amputation? It's like our limb got cut off. We're hobbling. We're going to make it. We're going to make it, but it hurts. It's not functioning like it should because we're missing a piece of the puzzle. We're missing a piece of the body. Our differences are not a problem. They're a strength. Because each one of you has their own purpose. When you get a direction from God, you've got to walk in it. You've got to stand up in it. That's got to define you. 
be who you are. But you know what? The enemy is going to immediately come and try and attack that. Isn't he? Adam was called to put the whole of creation under the dominion of God in the kingdom of God. Everything was in disorder and he was called to put it in order. And every living creature was under his command. And he didn't lead his home well. Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. This serpent was supposed to be under Adam's control. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God actually say you're supposed to move to Texas? Did God actually say you're supposed to go to that church? Did God actually call your husband to be a pastor? Did God actually call you? Did God actually call him? What are we doing? Hey, babe, what are we doing? Why are we here? Man, the enemy, he just comes and he wiggles his way into our conversations, into our thoughts. And guess what? He attacks the women first. He's going to attack you first. Where was Adam? If he was there, that's bad. If he wasn't there, that's bad. Where was Adam? If he can discourage you, wives, he's going to get to your husband through you. And guess what? The enemy can be directing your path instead of the God's, God's given purpose for your family. Your whole lives can be turned off track. You can waste years because you listen to offense. You listen to the lies of the enemy that sounded right, but they weren't. But there's an antidote. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 24-27. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Wives, if you don't submit to your husbands rightly, you're going to drag your family off course. Husbands, if you don't lead your family right, you're not going anywhere anyway.
You know, washing your wife in the Word, it doesn't just help your wife either. It doesn't just help you. It doesn't just help your family. If you guys are living on purpose, my family can live on purpose. If you can encourage your wife, hey babe, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to think about that. We're going to, look, the scripture says this. And you're going to put your family back onto purpose. And you guys are going to walk it out together. And as you begin to walk it out together, you know what? Someone else is struggling with it. Look, I've been discouraged about this. Don't, don't you think this is a bad thing? Your wife can come back with the word too because she's been washed in the word. If I can, if I can encourage my wife with holy thoughts, she can have practice fighting the enemy. She can help your wives fight the enemy. Then you can fight the enemy together. You can fight lies together. But don't you see how that affects the whole church family? Don't you see how that affects the whole church body? And that all comes from the husband's purpose. Look, we like to blame women for gossip or whatever, you know, typical things we like to blame women for. But what about you, husbands? If you'd actually washed your eyes in the Word, maybe that wouldn't be an issue. Right? Look, the enemy wants to completely direct you away from your call and your purpose. And he wants you to believe the lie that you're unnecessary. Can I tell you guys, like, I need you. I need you. I need you to walk in your purpose. I I need you. And that's not selfish. Because I know you need me too. You need me to walk in mine. We're going to walk it out together. We're going to do this. Let's go to Acts 9. Eleven through thirteen. And the Lord said to him, Let's go to let's just read verse ten. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight in the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here... He has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your, on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. He's like, I don't think I can really associate with him. I don't think, he's not really my type of person. We don't really have much in common. Oh man, going there probably is going to hurt my family. 
Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Those things might be true, but did God call him to go or not? I just encourage you guys with this. Did God call you here or not? Did he call you here or not? Because last time I checked, you're here. Everyone here, you're here. Did God call you here or not? So if he called you here, then why are you looking at somewhere else? Be here. Walk it out. Look, we're going to have differences. We're going to have struggles. There's going to be hard times, but let's work it out. Let's walk it out together. God has a purpose for you here because he called you here. So be here. Cigar smoke doesn't really matter, does it? Not if God called you here. Doesn't matter if you have a different conviction on a Bible translation, I'm preaching out of the ESV, or alcohol, or we don't have enough programs for the kids. They don't matter if God called you here. Did God call you here or not? That's the only question you've got to ask yourself. And if He did, you've got to walk it out. Where did God put your feet today? Where did God put your feet today? Walk it out. When you know He's called you to a place, you can stand firm on it. Like it was concrete. We're not going to turn there, but Matthew 14, Peter calls to Jesus, Hey Jesus, if that's you, call me out of this boat. Jesus says, come on. Come on. Peter steps out and he stands on the water. You know that water didn't hold him up. God's Word held him up. You don't feel like you can make it here? God's Word can hold you up. You don't feel like you can make it at your job? God's Word can hold you up. You don't feel like your family's going to make it? God's Word can hold you up. God's Word is enough. Some days God's Word is going to be the only thing you have. All other resources are going to fail you at some point or another. Your family will fail you. Your friends will fail you. Your brothers will fail you. Your money's going to fail you. Your job's going to fail you. God's Word won't fail. Amen. So walk in it. Yeah. Amen. Walk it out. Man... When you can stand on God's Word, what looks like water to other people can feel like concrete under your feet. Because you can stand up. You can trust in it. You can believe in it. Because you know it's real. You know it's true. Because you know who you are. You have to stand on God's Word tonight. We're going to close soon. The band can come up. Um, Look, I made 33 minutes, so I made it over 30 minutes. Maybe you're struggling to find your purpose tonight. Maybe you're struggling to find out what God's called you to be, who God's called you to be. Ask. Ask. He's going to tell you. He's faithful. Maybe you've got to put down some doubt. Maybe you've let bitterness rise up inside you. You've got to repent. You've got to get that out. 
Maybe you need to go to a brother and say, hey, I've been holding this against you and it wasn't your fault. I'm sorry. Maybe you need to stop going back and forth in your mind, weighing the options. You know, there's only one option. It's what God asked you to do. You've got to return to the vision, what God's called you to do, and walk it out. Who are you? Only you can answer that. Let's walk it out together, amen?